Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Welcome to the Midas Touch podcast, Ben, Brett, and Jordy, coming to you on January 6th, a date that will live in infamy. We have Officer Harry Dunn private first class 14 year veteran of the US Capitol Police he was there and heroically defended the Capitol from the insurrection and while Jan 6th is a date that will live in infamy it's also a date where we need to reflect remember what happened have corrective action and make sure that never happens again. The fragility of democracy is something on all of our minds on this January 6th. This is a regularly scheduled Midas Touch podcast. We want to thank everybody for tuning in to the new, the still original content of Midas Touch podcast during the uh, holiday season. We had Anthony Scaramucci, Stephanie Winston Walkoff, Michael Cohen as guests. Those all did quite well. And those deep dive one-on-one interviews um, with very compelling guests like that. I think that's a format that we keep doing uh, occasionally. I think we do the regular news type of format that we do, but I think we occasionally bring in those types of interviews. I agree a hundred percent. And can you just, it's so hard to even imagine that it's been one year. It both feels like yesterday and also feels like a lifetime ago, January 6th. I mean, I remember the day so vividly. I remember, you know, we were just barely celebrating Georgia. We had worked our asses off for months with all those incredible activists on the ground to win Georgia and to take the Senate. And we finally saw victory. We had such an amazing moment. And the next day, the January 6th insurrection happened, and we barely were able to, were able to celebrate our big win and the fact that we were able to mobilize voters and turn Georgia blue. And so I think that was such a, you know, it really drove just a stake through the heart of all of our efforts at that time and showed us that the fight wasn't over. I remember we were actually, I don't know if you guys were on, um, I don't know if Ben was on at least, but we were scheduled for a podcast on January 6th. Do you guys remember this? You and Ben uh, were on, and I was left off. 
and so, you were left off. So yeah, I remember I, right. it was like a podcast with like PBS or something, you know, some news station. And I think it might have been for TV also. And they, I guess, hadn't been following the news of the day because they'd been producing their show. And we were supposed to do it sometime in the morning when January 6th was going on. And I emailed them because I was just shell-shocked watching what was happening on TV. And I was like, I'm not sure I could come on the show. Like there's a, is an attack on the Capitol right now. And they were like, oh, what are you talking about? Come on down. It's fine. What do you, what do you mean? What, the attack? What are, you, what are you talking about? Come on. It'll be good. It'll be good. I'm like, I don't think you, have you turned on the TV? I don't think you understand what's happening here. And then they got back to me and they were like, oh, we, 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 see, see, we see what you're saying. And we ended up pushing it just an hour so I could like get myself together. And then we did the show. And then I just spent the rest of the day just watching horrified watching the speeches that everybody gave that day, watching all the clips from everybody from Ted Cruz to Josh Hawley to Donald Trump Jr. up there to Mo Brooks to Donald Trump, telling people to fight, sending people on the Capitol. I remember the moment that they breached the Capitol, the moment that they took their whatever they did to break through the glass windows in the Capitol go through there. And just I feared for our country and I, I fear for our country Today, you know, maybe even more, but at least on that day specifically, democracy held. And now we got to do the hard work to make sure that democracy holds not only in big moments like that, in big insurrections and with physical violence, but the insurrections that are happening every single day inside our state capitals and in other um, chambers across the country. I think your last point there, too, is super sharp. And I just want to emphasize that again. As tragic as that day was, and it was tragic, democracy held that day. So there is a silver lining in everything that took place, thanks to the, the bravery of the Capitol Police officers and everyone on the ground there that was doing the right thing. Spot, spot on, Jordy. And I'm just going to note that you called me Ben, which I'll give a, a pass to when our guests <laughs> call me call by the ben? Right. Did I call, call ben? you Ben? He was giving me credit for a good point. Yeah, you didn't make the point. I made the point. I didn't call I anybody Ben. First. You're confusing all of our <laughs> listeners. No one was called Ben. I said, and I just want to reemphasize that point. Is all I said. Okay. Well, let no, the you listen. definitely said Ben. I mean, you can rewind it. You definitely well, said Ben. That, but I thought if you're it was in the YouTube comments the right now. Point. Let us know. Did I say Ben? Let's do a poll. Do a poll for the YouTube. You absolutely. I'll do. Absolutely. A, I'll do a rewind right now. We'll we'll play it back. Ready? Here we go. <laughs> all right, play it. Go. Now we got to do the hard work to make sure that democracy holds not only in big moments like that, in big insurrections and with physical violence, but the insurrections that are happening every single day inside our state capitals and in other um, chambers across the country. I think your last point there, too, is super sharp. And I just want to emphasize that again. Yeah, you said you said Ben. You said ben. <laughs> I mean, maybe maybe you were holding that from when Ben was speaking before, but it's okay, Jordy. I'll, I'll give you a pass. It's a it's a if it's it's a difficult day. Let me tell you also the, the the threats that we face. So universally, Democrats and rational people are condemning this insurrection. Um, but to be a radical right wing candidate, and that all it is, the the right wing today are radicals. They're extremists. They are a terrorist organization, period. That's what the Republican Party is. Yep. They are terrorists. And to be a Republican today and to compete at a high level and put yourself in the position to be a presidential candidate, you have to say things like Ron DeSantis said today. Brett, play the clip where Ron DeSantis says that for Democrats, January 6th is Christmas. Today is going to be. 
I mean, honestly, I'm not going to watch any of it, but, but, but you're going to see the D.C. New York media. I mean, this is, this is their Christmas, January 6th, okay? They are going to take this and milk this for anything they could to try to be able to smear anyone who ever supported Donald Trump. And who talks about January 6th this way? I mean, I guess DeSantis after yesterday, he could barely talk. What was that press conference yesterday where he was you know, gasping while, for like While he was- we're on that, let's, let's play that clip because this is really unusual and the governor's office has refused to respond to what was going on. For the first few minutes of Ron DeSantis' press conference on yesterday, January the 5th, Ron DeSantis was struggling for breath. He was gasping for air and he almost seemed near tears. And remember, this was just days after DeSantis has been missing for like over two weeks and his press secretary has refused to say where DeSantis went. And finally, when he resurfaced, they basically used his wife's cancer as a shield and said that he was taking care of his wife and she had an appointment on one of the days. Um, Which, by the way, is an incredibly very serious thing that we should all take seriously. But it is at odds with the fact that that evening after they planted that story with Fox News, they all went to a concert, a maskless concert with like his spiritual advisor in this gigantic maskless crowd. And if you're immunocompromised, that would be the last place that you would want to put someone who's immunocompromised and being treated in a crowd like that. So we have to follow what the actual facts are here. But Brett, play that clip. Semiconductors are a huge issue. If you look at how the supply chain works, we are overly dependent on foreign nations, including Taiwan, which is a good ally of ours, but which is one that, excuse me, which is one that is under really serious pressure from the Communist Party of China. And so we have an opportunity to do more here in the United States. And I think the more we can do manufacturing of semiconductors here, the better off we'll be. So today, I'm proud to be awarding $6 million to build infrastructure that will connect Southern Osceola County to the emerging Neo City Technology District. I mean, he sounds objectively really horrible there. Like that is not edited at all. That just played through. That's the first few minutes of the speech that he was giving. And, you know, if you listen to the speech, by the way, the speech is he is taking credit for infrastructure money that the Democrats passed and gave to Florida as his own. And, and he's such a clown, Brett. He, you see the hand gestures. He like literally mimics Donald Trump, including trying to get really fat. He kind of, that's what I was going to say. He looks doughy. Like his body doing a Donald is, Trump. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's how ambitious and sick the man is, literally and figuratively, that he's trying to make himself look like Donald Trump. The mannerisms, everything he's doing, he's mimicking Donald Trump. But Brett, going back to the you guys first think he's wearing Brett, a diaper. I don't know, Jordan, but going back to I'm sure he will one day, you know, as a result of Trump. But going back to the first clip, I think I prefer sick, unhealthy DeSantis than fascist DeSantis. And for him to basically say that this is a celebration for Democrats, that this is like our Christmas. This is about holding the radical right extremists, the terrorists that day, the insurrectionists and those who aided and embedded accountable. This isn't a celebration. What DeSantis is trying to say here, that the real victims of January 6th were those that spread the big lie and support Trump. Those are the real victims who we should coddle and hold dear and say, oh, it's going to be okay. But no, absolutely not. Because they're being called out on Gen 6. Yeah, they can't take the fact that they committed one of the most heinous crimes ever committed 
on American soil. One of the worst terrorist attacks ever committed on American soil, made even worse by the fact that it was done by our own citizens and by our own government and by our own politicians. That's what really makes this so horrific and so horrible. And you have people like DeSantis defending the people who attacked us. You have people like Lindsey Graham cowering, saying that President Biden made this event political. Let's be clear, the event was made political by a president who sent his political followers to overturn an election to try to attack the Capitol and kill lawmakers so that he could be instilled as the president of the United States despite the votes of a free and fair election. That is what made this political. And President Biden, thankfully, came out forcefully today. And I want to see more of this President Biden. I love seeing feisty Biden. I don't know about you guys. But when Biden comes out swinging, he always hits the target every single time. And Biden came out forcefully and wasn't afraid to go after Donald Trump himself and attribute him as the cause of the attack on January 6th and really raise the alarm about the threats to our democracy. Why don't we play a clip from Biden today where he talks about how Trump is a defeated POTUS. He's not just a former president. He's a defeated former president. Defeated by a margin of over 7 million of your votes in a full and free and fair election. That's just one clip, but I think we should also just even play one more clip of the Biden speech today, just so and I, I'll tell all of our listeners and viewers, go back and watch the full Biden speech, an absolute takedown of Trump, not using Trump's name, but an absolute takedown of the former defeated loser. By the way, all the, all the words that he used throughout the whole thing, lost, defeated, like he uses all the buzzwords that he knows is really going to get under Trump's skin. You know, he's just down in Mar-a-Lago, just fuming, just oh, fuming, fuming that he canceled his January. I can't believe he was going to do a January. Whatever. Why don't you play the clip and then we'll get back to this. I did not seek this fight brought to this Capitol one year ago today. But I will not shrink from it either. I will stand in this breach. I will defend this nation. And I will allow no one to place a dagger at the throat of democracy. We will make sure the will of the people is heard, that the ballot prevails, not violence, that authority in this nation will always be peacefully transferred. And that's a president right there. Absolutely. Just comparing that to the Trump speeches. I mean, I mean it's just they're comparing that to DeSantis. I just want a steady, normal leader. That's all we're looking for. We're looking for steady leadership. And frankly, Brett, you know, we're not poll obsessed on Midas Touch podcast and the Midas Touch ecosystem generally. But I, I will say this, that America is taking notice of the strong economy. America is taking notice of normal leadership. America is taking notice of stability, a problem solver in office. And when you are beginning to look at polling for 2022 Congress, you are seeing that in just a Democrat versus Republican, you know, direct matchup that Democrats are being favored. I mean, and that's why we all need to take that energy, though, and push on it. We can't be defeatist here. I'm telling you, we'll win 2022 if we all have 
the right type of energy momentum and do the little things like registering people to vote. And here's what we got to do also. We got to be able to make sure, like we need to be able to set the stage of the conversation. And Republicans are really good at this. Republicans don't read polling and say, oh, people don't really care about Benghazi. Let's not talk about Benghazi. They go, fuck that. We're going to make everything about Benghazi and we're going to make our people care about Benghazi. And we're going to talk about it every single day. We're going to hold hearings every single day and we're going to make this the issue. That's what Republicans are effectively good at. And that's all with, you know, that all goes into messaging. That's all Communication. Messaging is not just a slogan or a phrase or a single political ad. Messaging is everything that happens that sets the stage of the discussion. And Democrats need to be doing more of that. So I think we need to own this January 6th issue. I mean, this is one of the most terrific things to ever happen to our country. Don't let anybody tell you that voters don't care about this. We need to make them care about this because our democracy depends on people caring about people who tried to overthrow our democracy. We need to make this front and center every single day. And Ben, you had an idea the other day, which I thought was interesting, and you got a little bit of a mixed reaction from, but you even said something like, I think on January 6th, Democrats should pass a simple resolution. What do the resolutions say, basically, that that you wanted to write? That uh, the American Congress, stand, the House of Representatives, stands firmly with democracy um, and condemns any threats to democracy here and abroad and anyone who seeks to aid and abet the overthrow of democracy, period. You know, words to that effect. Um, and you could wordsmith that a little bit because it's my view that if you put a statement out there, if you put a resolution that said that and you made people vote on that resolution, I think that you would not get significant votes by the Republicans. I think all Democrats would vote for it. I think you'd probably get about 20 Republicans who would vote for it. I think you would get the rest of Republicans trying to do a debate. This isn't a democracy. This is a representative republic. So they would have that aspect. You would have people basically saying that uh, this is a deep state ploy and they can't vote in favor of it. You just get people who vote no. And then a lot of other Republicans would just ignore it. I don't think that's. Like that's not even being humorous. Like I genuinely think that's where the vote would break down. There were 10 Republicans who voted to impeach Trump. So with this resolution, I give another 10 may vote in favor of democracy. But we need to do stuff like that that calls them out. And people would say to me in response to that, we don't need more empty gestures. We need the DOJ to be prosecuting the insurrectionists or we need meaningful legislation. I agree. But why can't you do both? It literally just took me five minutes. And no, by the way, I guarantee minutes. you, I guarantee you 100% of the people who said that to you also would say, the DNC doesn't know how to message. Democrats don't know how to message. Why don't we, we need a, we need a cool new message to go around. And they, what you don't realize is that is part of messaging holding elected officials yeah. feet to the fire, making them vote on simple things, being able to hold up and say, Hey, these representatives literally voted against defending democracy. That's what this says. That is all a part of messaging and we have to own it. We have to be fighters. If you want to win the game, you have to play the game. And that's what we all need to do. Fuck. <laughs> Brett, Brett's having some technical difficulties on his side. I agree, Brett. That is exactly what we have to do. Now might be a great time just to cut to a quick ad read from our sponsor, Magic Spoon. Ben, you agree? I like that. Oh, I totally agree. I mean, I love Magic Spoon. I love sponsors that 
encourage healthy lifestyles, you know, and growing up. No, 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 no. This was my ad read. You're not taking it. It stays in the pot. Growing up, cereal was one of the best parts of being a kid. But I had to give it up because I realized it was full of sugar and junk and stuff you really shouldn't eat. But then we heard about Magic Spoon. Magic Spoon has zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and only four net grams of carbs in each serving. It only has 140 calories a serving. It's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, and low-carb. You could build your own box too. It's available in all the flavors that you love. You could build your very own custom box from cocoa to fruity frosty to peanut butter to blueberry to cinnamon to cookies and cream and maple waffle. So here's what you need to do. You need to go to magicspoon.com slash Midas to grab a custom bundle of cereal and start your new year off right. And be sure to use promo code Midas, that's M-E-I-D-A-S at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product that it's backed with 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund you, no questions asked. Remember, get your next delicious bowl of gluten-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash Midas and use promo code Midas to save $5 off. Thank you, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this episode. Great ad read by Jordy. For those listening, Brett was having technical difficulties with his camera. Brett. Even though te- even though Brett is tech Brett, sometimes when Brett would do very simple like tech stuff growing up, I'd be like, I'd call Brett like a hacker. Like if you'd figure out how a remote control would work, I'd be like, yo, Brett, could you just hack that remote control? And like, what do you mean? Just can I figure out how to put batteries into it? Because I'm so not tech savvy. But anyway, we- tech Brett. Yes, Brett, we're still recording a podcast, man. The podcast, podcast. Goes, podcast the podcast goes on, goes on without you. I hate to break this to you, Brett, but just because the well-oiled machine, the well-oiled machine here. Well, let's bring in our guest, um, Capitol Police Officer Harry Dunn. We recorded this interview yesterday, so for those watching, you'll see us wearing different clothes. We're not just going to do a wardrobe change when we speak to uh, Harry Dunn. And this was literally right before Trump decided to go and cancel his January 6th presser. So we did get into the at least the idea of Trump holding a presser on January 6th and what it means to Officer Dunn and the other Capitol Police. So Let's uh, play the interview with Officer Harry Dunn. We are joined by a very special guest on January 6th. We are joined by none other than Capitol Police Officer Harry Dunn. Officer Dunn is a private first class and 14-year veteran with the U.S. Capitol Police. Many of you know he bravely defended the Capitol during the January 6th insurrection and has been very outspoken. He testified um, uh, before Congress. He recently wrote an op-ed in the Washington Post about his experience and the need for accountability. Officer Harry Dunn, welcome to the Midas Touch podcast. Thanks for having me on. Um, I, I want to say I'm sure you can find somebody better than just, just myself. No, nah, um, I uh, <laughs> sure everybody knows my name and I guess my Twitter handle and my face and all that stuff now. But um, I, I was just a one person in the uh, amongst many heroes that day, uh, my coworkers, the men and women of the U.S. Capitol Police, the men and women of the Metropolitan Police Department are uh, some of the bravest people I've worked with. And uh, they showed up that day. And um, th- th- we uh, did our job and we saved what I would like to say is democracy. So I used to work at the Capitol. I mean, I, I interned there for uh, Senator Clinton about 20 years ago or so. And so seeing firsthand 
the bravery of Capitol Police officers and all they had to deal with day in, day out. Back then, it was anthrax. It was dealing with foreign enemies and dealing with, um, you know, radicalized, you know, terrorists as well. Um, and people were thinking of, well, you know, Middle East terrorists it was right after 9-11 when yeah. I was there. Um, but here you have, you know, almost 20 years later, the attack happened from within. I mean, this was inspired by uh, a president of the United States at the time who encouraged it, who aided and embedded it, and is now out there talking about counter-programming Jan 6 to, in essence, celebrate Jan 6. I mean, when you think through this past year um, and this year, this year benchmark, I mean, what goes through your mind? You know, when you start talking about, you know, the former president and the people that are like, celebrating it and even downplaying it what happened that day i um i found a way to well i do therapy through my uh my close um my circle my friends my family um i don't pay attention to that anymore it's just noise because it's uh it's a detractor and all it will be is to it's, it's, they're, they're internet trolls, <laughs> you know, that's what they are. So like you, I'll have conversations with people, reasonable people, um, even if they disagree with me, but um, I don't understand how you can disagree with facts. You know, like once you start disagreeing with facts, then the conversation's over. I'm not gonna waste my time on you, my energy, because you it's like you're beating your head against a wall and expecting the wall to say, yo, stop, you're hurting me. It's not gonna happen. <laughs> like that's not gonna happen. So. I start. I focused on people that actually can make a difference, which is uh, why I spent so much time um, talking with the January 6th committee, writing that op-ed about, you know, the lawmakers' responsibility to us, not only the police officers, but us Americans. They, um, they have a duty to us, uh, just like we had a duty to them on January 6th, so. And you wrote that Washington op-ed this week, and in it you wrote, quote, it's deeply offensive and a betrayal of all the law enforcement officers who answered the call that day to suggest that the mob that stormed the Capitol consisted merely of tourists or patriots, or that the attackers were simply keen on hugging and kissing us. And look, Officer Dunn, it would be one thing if that was, though, solely coming from internet trolls, but it seemed afterwards that this was a moment where all politicians could rally together and focus on the message of supporting democracy and condemning it. But you have a lot of politicians and they're all on the Republican side. That's not a partisan thing to say. It is a fact on the Republican side who are a lot of the ones that are putting this messages out that this was that make these suggestions that these terrorists who stormed the Capitol were patriots that day. Does that just drive you insane? Not anymore. Like I said, not anymore. I'm not focused on that um, when it comes to uh, maybe any congressperson or senator that may have thoughts differently about what actually happened on January 6th, uh, whatever. I, I don't understand how, you know, you can watch what happened and describe it as something else. So I'm not even going to attempt to, like, like I said, stop banging your head against a wall. It's going to drive you crazy. What can you do? Like, I, I, one thing about being a police officer is I like solving problems. Right. Like everybody addresses all these problems that we have out there. All right. Give me some reasonable solutions. What can we do? 
Let's stop talking about the problem. Let's fix it. All right. So if there are no solutions for the problem, right, what, what can you ultimately do? You vote. You change the people that are in office. So like, I, that would be my message to you want to commemorate January 6th. Um, let's get a bunch of people registered to vote. If anybody listening, if you know somebody that's not registered to vote or doesn't plan on voting, encourage them to vote. I'm not telling you who to vote for. I would never do that. You know, that's not, I'm just a person with an opinion. Just exercise your right, your duty as an American to vote. Because let's, let's be proactive. How do you solve these problems? They, these congressmen and their thoughts, they're not going anywhere. So what can you do about it realistically? And one of the solutions, though, in addition to vote and the proactive measures we could take to support politicians who support democracy, though, is to have accountability. You know, I also host a legal podcast called Legal AF, where we've been covering a lot of the sentences that have been given, some of the earlier ones, like for the QAnon shaman person and all those other people were having relatively light sentences. Some of the people who were sentenced were bragging that it was going to be a vacation where they could lose weight. Um, You've started to see some stiffer sentences. Judge Chotkin is one judge who's sentenced people to stiffer sentences. But have you seen that? Do you feel there's been sufficient accountability and is more accountability needed? No, I don't think there's been enough accountability yet. There's nothing that's been done um, yet uh, to prevent this from happening again. Like the, the purpose of punishments a lot of times are to deter people from doing things again, you know, teach you a lesson, right? To deter things from happening again. That's, that's what I interpret punishments to be, to deter things from happening again. But there's been nothing, like, I don't know if you're, how closely you've been following the sentences, but one of the guys, um, Joker got sentenced to 20 days in jail to be served on weekends. Like, get the, get the hell out of here. Like, <laughs> are you kidding me? But... <laughs> No, there's been no, there's not been enough. But I think that's why it's so important for the investigations to continue and for full transparency to come out. Um, Because, you know, right now everybody just has opinions about what happened, right? There's there's some facts out there, but a lot of it is just, oh, we know this to be a fact or we know this to be an opinion. Let's get all the facts out there. So now it's not open for interpretation in any kind of way. Just put the facts out there and then let people decide for themselves. Hey, all right, this is what really happened. So I know what I went through. I know what my coworkers went through. I want the entire public to know. I don't know why it happened though. I still don't know why it happened. I got my opinions, sure, but let's mm-hmm. let's paint the full picture where it's not anybody's opinion anymore. It's not open for analysis. This is what happened, period. Well, Officer Dunn, I'm wondering, if could you take our listeners and viewers through what happened that day from your perspective? Um, when did you exactly really know that kind of all control was lost, that this was bigger than a protest um, out in front of the Capitol? Like, when did you have that kind of oh shit moment? When did you realize yeah. this is an insurrection? Did you fear for democracy? Did you fear that are, you know, the vote count was going to be stopped. I'm just curious from your perspective as somebody who lived it, I would love for you to just, you know, kind of describe that. Yeah, so, so the day of, um, sure, we've gotten, I think it's close to say I have, in my 14 years of working, it might be safe to say close to a thousand protests, over 
um, First Amendment protests. And from any, uh, any walks of life, uh, all kinds of topics, all everything, it doesn't matter. We've dealt with so many different protests and that's kind of what I was expecting that day. Um, didn't matter the crowd, didn't matter their political affiliation, doesn't matter. Our job is to allow people to exercise their First Amendment right, um, which everybody has a right to do, no matter how outlandish it may sound to somebody else, that's, that's their right to do so. Um, and I think it's important to keep that perspective that people are allowed to have different views, different have people opinions. Um, so that's kind of what I was expecting that day. There were hundreds and hundreds and thousands and thousands of people gathering uh, at the Capitol that day. Um, it was a large protest. Go ahead, Sorry to interrupt, but what was like the preparation beforehand? Like, what were you kind of told? What were you expecting at that point? We're expecting a First Amendment protest. Um, maybe some civil disobedience. People may get arrested. Like I said, we I've dealt with close. I I haven't counted the exact number, but I don't think it would be off to say upwards of a thousand protests in my career. Um, but uh, I just thought it was going to be you know civil disobedience. I had no in my wildest dreams had no thought of people breaching the Capitol and attempting to stop the certification of the election. Um, you know, I, while it was going on, I, I didn't have, I didn't process all this stuff. My, my number one thought was let's survive. Let's get home. I want to go home. You know, I want to get home to my family. I want to get home. I want all my coworkers to go home. I want to be safe. Um, so we weren't, I wasn't really processing what this was about, why it happened and all that stuff. I was, let's keep everybody safe so we can get home to our families. Um, as the day went on, you start to, yeah, I, I heard the things that they were saying, you know, Trump sent us, this is the people's house. Um, we're not going anywhere. We're welcome here. Um, where's Nancy Pelosi? We're going to hang Mike Pence. Like you heard those things, but like I said, I wasn't process. I wasn't like dissecting their words. Like, I'm trying to get these jokers out of here so I can go home to my family. And had you heard Trump's speech at that point? Have you had you heard any of it or you were just seeing nah, it from the perspectives of the protesters? No, nah, nah, just the perspective of the protesters. We were outside. We were, my shift started like seven in the morning. So I didn't have time. Like we, I was working, you know. I, obviously, hindsight, I've, I've seen it since, obviously. Um, but I uh, just want to point out during that day, the thing that the moment that said, all right, oh, shit, this isn't just a normal protest day was uh, when they found the two pipe bombs at the RNC uh, and the DNC. Um, and my opinion is they were used to divert police officers away from the Capitol, um, which it did, which allowed it to be an even softer target. Um, and, you know, there we are, outnumbered and overrun and overwhelmed by uh, Trump supporters. And I want to go to that point right there because, you know, we, we we called them protesters initially. And at first it, it seemed like a protest, but then it was clear that it was much more, that these were not protesters. These were rioters. These are insurrectionists. These are domestic terrorists in many cases. I think it's fair to say, though, like real quick, I, you know, I, I try, I am a very try to be fair, play both sides kind of thing, kind of person. And you did have people saying that there were people there that got caught up in the moment and blah, blah, blah. I believe that. I don't believe everybody that was there that day went with the intention of storming the Capitol. I don't believe that. I, I don't. Be, but they did. <laughs> they, 
they did and they need to be held accountable for it. Sure, I don't care what your intentions is. A lot of times in crimes, intent doesn't even matter. Um, in your more serious ones, sure it does when it comes to sentencing, but it's still a crime. Uh, that, and that's that. Sure, there were people there, I'm sure, who had no intention of storming the Capitol, but guess what? You look up and they're in the Capitol it ain't no, oh gosh, I didn't mean to, but you're here now and you need to be held accountable. Yeah, so. you can't you can't take that back if you commit a murder. Yeah. You can't be like, oh, well, I didn't intend to commit a murder earlier that day, but I just got caught up in the moment. Correct. Although Correct. the sentencing may be, may be different for that, as you, as you Correct. said. But to, um, but, to, but to acknowledge it is not uh, just a, a, a mistake or something. Nah, man, that, that's not how this works, So Right, and, and the demographics of the crowd, as you said, these are clearly... Trump supporters. These are clearly people who were sent from the event. These were not Antifa. This was not Black Lives Matter. Yeah, they, Can you just uh, give us a breakdown of what you see and just no, give just, all they, these lies. They, they told us. They, they they told Trump sent us here. They told us uh, they were with us and that we were breaking our oath to the country by not letting them in to do to hurt to to get to the members who they thought were betraying this country and. You know, they called us traitors and sellouts and, you know, we told them to leave and they said, no, this is our house. And, you know, the president sent us and all, the, all this stuff like. I, yeah, it's, it's bull when people say it's, it's otherwise it's not that's not accurate. And one of the one of the things that really made me emotional during the, the public testimony that you gave um, in front of the January 6th committee was when you spoke about the racial attacks against you that day. What, what were you thinking when you were experiencing that and, and what were kind of the comments made to you? You know, it's, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't process any of that stuff as it was happening. Like I said earlier, my was, I was just on survival, you know, as I had a moment once, you know, things started to get under control a little bit and we were able to sit down and analyze and process to ourselves and amongst our friends, our coworkers about what had happened. It's then when I sat down with one of my coworkers um, who I'd known and we were just talking about what we experienced that day and uh, how bad it was and some of the things that we went through, some of the things that we saw. And that's where I just became so um, overwhelmed with emotions. And I just started like crying and I just started telling him what I went through. And I just got, I got called the N word and these people just like, and that's when I, I really felt, you know, that's when I said like, is this America? And that's when I was like, damn man, like, is this what we've, what we've come to? Like, it's, 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 it's a scary, sad feeling. I had a sense of helplessness. It wasn't like anything that I could do because there was nothing I could say. It was nothing I could do to stop that moment, you know? And I don't think there's any words that anybody could say to make sense of that moment. So that's why I felt like so helpless. One of the things that was also an incredibly powerful statement that you made in front of the January 6th committee, as you said, if a hitman is hired and he kills somebody, the hitman goes to jail. But not only does the hitman go to jail, but the person who hires them does. I use an analogy to describe what I want as a hitman. If a hitman is hired and he kills somebody, the hitman goes to jail. But not only does the hitman go to jail, but the person who hired them does. There was an attack carried out on January 6th, and a hitman sent them. I want you to get to the bottom of that.
reflecting on those words, um, is there any kind of thing else you would maybe want to add to that? Or I, uh, <laughs> I botched it a little bit. Like at the end, I was like, uh, you know, the hitman part and the hitman scene. And I was like, damn, I kind of messed that up. It was funny because I, I, I wrote that as I was like our closing closing statement. I wrote that as the other testimony was being said by the other officers. And, um, you know, like it's just serious. Like, and everybody, you know, people started running with it. Trump is the hitman and all this stuff. And, you know, sure, he may have been the ringleader, but if there anybody else that had anything to do with it, those riling those guys up, funding those guys, supporting, encouraging those guys, whether it be all the way up to the president, um, his his staff, any anybody, anybody that, or just a just a some guy on Twitter that say, hey, yo, you should do this. Like, I don't care if anybody can be that uh, the person who hired the hitman. You know, anybody can be that guy, but um, it doesn't uh, exclude all the way up to the presidency if. Nobody's above the law, I guess is the point that I'm trying to make. Nobody's above the law. If anybody had anything to do with it, they need to be held accountable. And I think that's one of the frustrations that a lot of people have, you know, me included. And I, you know, I understand that this is a massive, massive investigation. This is a massive crime. Um, it involves the president of the United States, it involves members of Congress, members of the senators. And I think one of the issues, though, is that as of now, all we've seen are these lower level people really be prosecuted and like you said the sentences overall have not been very strict at all some people are being let out for family vacations or to go to baseball games or football games i mean from the outside it looks kind of ridiculous when and you know i'm looking at statements from the doj and things and like i said i'm not I think the DOJ is actually doing a, a better job than a lot of people are giving them credit for, but I share their frustrations and how they're going after these lower level people and aren't focusing on the ringleaders and focusing on the people who actually had the power, the people who paid for the buses, the people who That's fair. incited and encouraged them. That's fair. But the, like, just let's think about this for a second. Like, I mean, this isn't a bank robbery that they're solving, you know, like this is possibly an attempt to overthrow the government, yep. you know, I, I, what do you compare it to? Like the speed of the investigation, what can we compare it to? Nothing. So I think it's, it's, like I said, I, we control what we can control. We got to stop banging our heads against these walls. Sure. We can have opinions about things and be like, yeah, instant. We need this done instantly. We need justice instantly. We want this instant gratification, but that's not how it works. Like, I mean, even the, 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 the former president, he's, doing he's within his legal right to appeal all the way up to the Supreme Court, which he's doing. So we can't be hypocrites and say that's bull. They shouldn't like we got to be like as much as we disagree with it, we cannot be hypocrites. Like he's within his right to do that. So let him do it. Let the system let the let the uh the criminal justice system, the legal process all play out. And then hopefully at the end, you know, justice will prevail. That's what we want. But it just like, damn, it takes so damn long, you know? It's like, it's like, all right, uh, y'all look like y'all like barbecue. It's like smoking ribs or some brisket. <laughs> like you smell it, it smells so damn good, right? You're like, damn, come on. But you gotta wait eight, nine hours. Like, damn, come on, why does it take so long? Because it's so damn good. So anything, you gotta, you gotta let it marinate, you gotta let it cook, you gotta let it smoke. And then you eat that brisket, you're like, damn, this shit was worth it, right? <laughs> 
<laughs> I think that's the best analogy we've ever had. Analogy, on this right? I think that's really good. And I'll tell you how long it takes to cook the brisket. You know, Watergate. Watergate took something like nine hundred. I think it was 928 days in order to fully get all the convictions and everything that they did in that investigation. And they had a tape. (laughs) Yeah, and this is obviously a much, this goes much deeper than Watergate. And I think everybody's fear right now is, you know, we're looking down the barrel of elections where Republicans might be taking power. Now, I want to be clear, that's not going to affect the investigations into January 6th. The DOJ investigation is going to live on whether Republicans win or Democrats win or whatever happens in 2022. That doesn't end. So we shouldn't be afraid of that we need to tell the truth about what happens like correct like you just said a lot of people think oh it's done oh, let, no this like, is not ending let, let's let's you know let's squash uh false information and but you're right though you i'll just tell said. you the one difference though officer done during watergate the politicians actually on a bipartisan basis wanted mm. to eat the brisket one of the issues yeah. we have now is that a lot of people want to eat the brisket, but you've got radical right fascists who still want to eat a Trump steak, knowing that it's a fraud. That's the problem. <laughs> well, they might be they might be uh, vegans, so let's get them some salads or something. We gotta we gotta <laughs> accommodate everybody, right? We gotta find a way to make it work for everybody. You know, y'all go eat some lettuce. Well, we'll enjoy this brisket right here. You know. <laughs> I have a question for you, officer. And you do a lot of interviews where you probably asked a lot of the similar questions. Um, what is something, though, about you that you just want people to know about you that in the soundbite nature of kind of the media with them asking just the, you know, wh- whatever the kind of usual questions are when you get five minutes? Like, what do you want people to know about who you That's are? That's so cool. Your- that's a good question, man. Cause I was just thinking like, I'm just this regular dude, man. Like <laughs> I, I'm just this regular dude, man. Now everybody's looking up to me and I was like, uh, and I'm just some regular guy, man, that says what's on his mind, I guess. Um, one thing though, that I did think of is that um, I think whether you're Republican, Democrat, liberal, conservative, progressive, it doesn't matter. You can't blindly support people just because they have, R beside their name or D beside their name. Like, I don't agree with everything the Democrats do, and I'm a registered Democrat. I I don't agree with every Republican do, but I I'm a re- Republic registered Republican. Like, it's okay to distance yourself and just be an individual instead of just part of this whole what it seems like a cult. Like, you know, even left right, like you can't like blindly support people. You have to call out people even of your own party when you're wrong, when you disagree with things. Um, and I think that's where, that's how we are where we are. Cause they'll say this person could do no wrong. Like that's not right. Like everybody has some improvements they can make when they start holding people to these, they, they, they elevate the person above the seat. Like the person is becomes what's important is not just the seat right mm. the seat of the seat that that person holds is what's important and what what matters and uh i think we need to hold that seat to the higher standard and not necessarily the person if that makes any kind of sense maybe i botched that too but i think the sentiment's there absolutely yeah. and not not to get us to a place again here where we're bashing our heads against the wall but i am very interested yeah. in, in your opinion on this specifically like the fox news is the, the oans depending on when you watch them, you know, they try and paint a picture that the events of January 6th was like a psyop or some sort of false flag operation. How much, you know, do you think they are to blame for the civil unrest in this country? You know, I don't, 
I feel like they're smart, they're opportunists, and they they seized an opportunity for a, some vulnerable people. And um, I think that's what smart people do. They, you know, they know what happened. They know what happened, but they also know that nobody went, nobody who watches them wants to hear what really happened. So they dumb it down a little bit, you know. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's rhetoric and it's not, not factual. Um, I, I, I don't know if I can necessarily blame them. Um, like you said, it's, to answer your question, the blame, I like to think about stuff like word it correctly. So the blame, <laughs> um, anybody who promotes any type of violence or, you know, lies or misinformation, um, should be held responsible, mm-hmm. um, and accountable, uh, whether that's right wing, whether that's left wing, it doesn't matter. You can't go out there and start just, if you're a news thing, you can't just be out there spewing your opinion. Like I wrote an op-ed piece. I didn't write a front page piece. That's news. <laughs> what I wrote today was my opinion. And, you know, if that's what news shows have become, then let's make it. These are opinion shows, mm-hmm. but for people to get factual news from there, I, that's where that's that's problematic right there. And it's a great point because when they go to court, they argue that they're an entertainment network, that they're not a news network. So he it, said it, that. He yeah, said it. Yeah. yeah. It, 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 it's, it's insanity. And look, you're there firsthand experience. It's incredibly harrowing events. The party that supposedly is all about Blue Lives Matter, you know, outwardly, that, that didn't seem to be the case that day. And frankly, it doesn't seem to be the case ever with regards See, yeah. to See that thing. I see. I, I, you know, I, I kind of, I, I get what you're saying, mm-hmm. but that's what that's. I think that's why it goes back to um, supporting people blindly, and just because they are an R or a D. Um, you know, I, I think that it would be cool, like in uh, in elections on when the ballots, you don't have an R or a D next to <laughs> the person's name. Like, let people do their own damn research and make educated decisions about who they're voting for and not just they're voting for a person and not a party now. And I think that's, that's where we come. Uh, we run into problems a lot because like I said, there, I, I don't necessarily, I don't believe that Republicans generally say that blue lives don't matter. I don't think that anybody would say that. I hate that term anyway, the blue lives matter. Like I, I just hate the term. Um, you know, I, I just never liked it anyway, because it's um, it just seems like a protest to the Black Lives Matter protest. Mm-hmm. So like, the term Blue Lives Matter didn't really even exist until the term Black Lives Matter did. To, to my knowledge, like, I could be wrong, but if someone fact checked that for me. No, I'm totally right. Um, I think you're spot on on that one. But but and that's why I just it's like, come on, man. But I don't. I, but to go back to my point, I don't <laughs> believe that they will reasonably say they don't support Blue Lives like. Mm-hmm. No, I, it's, it's probably, it's stopped. Like it's all it is just talking points. Man. But do you think that cognitive dissonance like, like there, like, you know, the party that says all the time, blue lives matter, blue lives matter. And then the Capitol riots happen, the insurrection happens and they go, Oh, not those lives. Well, like, no, well not, not even that, man. Just think that it's all just, it's, it's all just propaganda. Cause you look at the people that are saying all this crap and they'll have like, God first in their country. Like, wait, God would have did what y'all did. What y'all did. So it's just, like, it's just good talking points. That's all it is, man. Because God don't. God, I'm a Christian. God, that we got two different gods. Like, because <laughs> that ain't that ain't what I learned in Sunday school, man. Like, you know. So I mean, just it's it's crazy, bro. Like, 
I think it's all just people just making talking points to what sounds good. They're good. They're catchphrases, they're slogans, and nobody even knows what the hell it means, right? You know, mm-hmm. like how many people, I, I, I'd be willing to bet, I'd be willing to bet a large portion of people that have MAGA, that say the word MAGA, don't even know what it stands for. They just see that, <laughs> they just say that, oh, you know, hey, the, 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 uh, Republicans wear this hat, so I'm gonna wear it too. Like, they probably don't know what it means. So, but that's why I think it's important to educate people um, and stop supporting people blindly on both sides, Republican, Democrat, doesn't matter. And then to that about, about supporting people blindly, I mean, there's still certainly a lot of people in this country that support the 45th president just with this blind allegiance. On the anniversary of January 6th, uh, said president, Donald Trump, is set to hold a press conference at Mar-a-Lago. What type of message do you think that sends to the American people? Again, I ain't worried about whatever, man. I know where I'll be on January 6th. I'll mm-hmm. be with my coworkers um, and people that actually want to um, honor what happened that day and remember what happened that day. Uh, that's where I'll be. So that's where you got to surround yourself with people, nice. like-minded people. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not worried about that. But But again, they have the right to do that. So they're within their rights to do that. What they don't have the right to do is violently storm the Capitol and hurt people and, you know, attempt to overthrow, uh, stop the certification of election through violence. Um, you know, suck it up, vote again in four years. Like, you, fear, uh, you fear January 6th can happen again? Yeah, yeah. But like I said, it's not just necessarily at the Capitol, but uh, at state houses. I mean, hell, you see what's happening at uh, school board meetings now, like, Everything's crazy, man, nowadays. And it's it's scary to think that our country is like, what the hell happened to it, man? You know, it's, it's scary, but that's why I don't have a reasonable answer. How can you fix it besides vote? I don't know. As we conclude the interview, though, knowing that that exists and that there is a fear of that being repeated, though, but do you see some things that have happened since January 6th, though, that gives you hope? I mean, is there a hopeful message to bring out of it as we're approaching, um, as we do approach January 6th, 2022? As ugly as January 6th was for the people watching on TV, for the lawmakers in the building, for the Capitol Police, um, who endured unnecessary horrors that day, um, just for the concerned Americans, as bad as and as ugly as it was, um, democracy went on that day and it went on that night and it still continues to exist. So we got to keep that, that mindset that you can't just take for granted that democracy is going to be there. Everybody has a part in it to, uh, everybody has to do their part to help preserve it. Like you can't get too comfortable because there are evils out there that would uh, sound like a damn Marvel movie. There are evils out there. <laughs> no, there's a, you know, <laughs> but yeah, but so that we have to, we can't just take it for granted and just say that it's always going to exist, right? We have to. Everybody has a everybody has a job to do. The police, our police, let the lawmakers legislate. Um, you know, let the judges judge. Like everybody, and let the American people decide who the people that are voting. Excuse me, who the people that are judging and making the laws. So everybody has a job to do when it comes to protecting democracy. So. Yeah, democracy is fragile. And I think Very. January 6th exposed it. And fortunately, 
the uh, you, uh, your brave coworkers at the Capitol Police, the Metropolitan Police, you know, you were able to you were able to defend the building. You know, democracy was able to live on. As we reflect, though, the fragility of it is something that I take away. And and the question is, do we want to be a nation of laws? Do we want to be a nation of democracy, or do we want to be a nation of you know, the individuals who violently stormed the Capitol building, is that what America is? And, and it isn't. I think, so. but real quick, I mean, I don't know if, you know, that may be a rhetorical question that you were asking, but I think that everybody wants a nation of laws that suit their interests, though. You know, not, but that's, you can't have it every, you don't get everything that you want, you know? So it, it sucks. But yeah, I think people do want it. Everybody, I think, wants a nation of laws, but the people that were there on January 6th want laws that they write, that they agree with, that they want. How are you, you doing that? that? You look at, yeah, you know, you look at some of the new laws that are being proposed to, um, for voting rights. And I'm not going to get on my political horse right now because I'm just talking about <laughs> my personal experience of what I went through. But um, you just look, people want laws that suit them, you know? How are you doing now? How are you able to put on the uniform? Are you able to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to work January 7th. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was able, yeah, yeah, I'm back. You know, I've been working and uh, I'm proud to be at work. You know, I take my job seriously. Um, like I said earlier, I rep, it's, it's bigger than me. Um, thousands and millions of people are counting on me to protect whatever congressman or woman or senator um, is in that seat. And that's my responsibility to do so. That seat's a revolving door, you know? It'll be a new person after this next person, and it was a person before. It's a revolving door, so it's important to always make sure that seat is available for who America decides to put in it. And uh, just interested, 14, 15 years ago, when you decided to become a Capitol Police officer, is there a reason why you chose Capitol Police versus somewhere else? Is there? They answered to my rec- uh, my job application first, man. <laughs> 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 no, man, I, you know, it's, it's I, um, no, I put in for it. It's a great, it's a great organization. <laughs> it was, it, you know, I, I just like what it represents. Um, I, I, you know, <laughs> I, I'm from this area. I'm from the Washington, D.C. area. I see the Capitol daily. And I just think about it like one of the thoughts that I had during my testimony, I, I never I don't, I didn't say this, but um, you know, I just think like slaves, slaves built the building. Slaves built the U.S. Capitol. And here, here's my job and my duty, my honor, my privilege to protect their work, protect what they built. So I just thought that was really kind of cool, you know, so here I am. Okay. So what would you say, Officer Dunn, is your biggest weakness? I'm just I'm doing the job. <laughs> no, <laughs> man. He's not been able to say no to a glass of bourbon. Man. <laughs> if you were a tree, what kind of tree would you be? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> well, we're so grateful to have you on this program as our listeners and viewers. Um, we're so grateful for everything you've done for the nation and not just you, but also, as you said at the beginning, all the courageous Capitol Police officers, Metropolitan Police officers, your brothers and sisters in arms who defended the Capitol that day and do so bravely every single day. And on January 6th, we at Midas Touch say thank you so much for your service and thank you for all that you've done in your continuing fight for democracy. Thanks, man. I appreciate y'all having me on and uh, nice chat with you guys. Appreciate you. 
Thank you so much, Officer Harry Dent. Welcome back to the Midas Touch podcast. Great interview with Officer Harry Dunn. You know, I think one of the things that just stands out about the interview is how ordinary people um, became heroes that day. Like when you speak to Officer Harry Dunn, I mean, Officer Dunn's like a guy I would just hang out with, you know, Um, and, you know, for him to tell that story of, hey, I just wanted to get home to my family, you know, and all of a sudden these insurrectionists started coming in. And then I was just like, I got to do my job. I got to I got to help. <laughs> I got to help. And it's also his perspective, you know, after being attacked the way he's been attacked by the right wing. I mean, I don't know if people know, like he's been viciously slandered by oh, yeah. all the right wing media, you know, when his perspective of, you know, it's America, they could say what they want, but they need to be held accountable. You know, I thought was an incredible perspective. And I think, you know, for somebody like that who was involved in it, who was there that day, who was defending the Capitol, to have the level of sort of calm that he has to be so level headed about the investigations. I love the brisket analogy that he used about needing the brisket to marinate and stuff. I mean, it sounds so counter to the fear and doom and gloom that you see on social media. And I thought that was incredibly refreshing to see from a guy who is that close to it. And if Officer Harry Dunn can understand how this investigation is working, how it's shaping up, understand the importance of accountability, but that accountability takes time in investigations of these scopes, I think all of us should be able to have that sort of calm and level-headedness. And I think this is emphasized again by Merrick Garland when Merrick Garland. But before out, going into Merrick Garland, I want to tell everybody about our next partner, which is Athletic Green. We got a lot more news, Brett. I want you to go into the Merrick Garland speech, but I need to do an ad read now, which is Athletic Green, which is our next partner. It's a product I literally use every day. How do you know? I have it right here and I'm drinking it. I've got it here As- too. We literally have it right here. Um, and again, I love endorsing products that I use. Um, and so what is Athletic Greens? With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're going to absorb 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, adoptogens to help you start your day right. The special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy recovery, focus, aging, and all things. So before Athletic Greens, my shelf was filled with all these different like pills and gummies and all these different things. Athletic Greens comes in this powder, green powder. I take one scoop, put it in this cup. I shake the cup. I drink the cup. I got energy. I feel good in the day. And it's a major part of my New Year's resolution. Give me give me some facts about Athletic Greens. It supports better sleep quality and recovery, mental clarity and alertness. Have you noticed they've been a little more alert lately? I have noticed you've been a little bit more alert. Price, it costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. And let me tell you about the founders. Athletic Green was created when the founders experienced their own gut health issues and ended up on a complicated supplement routine to recover that cost them over $100 a day. And so now you have athletic greens, which is a a micro habit with big benefits, you know, just try athletic greens. I mean, I, I couldn't endorse this thing anymore. Um, and to make it easy, athletic greens is going to give you a free one year supply of immune supporting free immune supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs. When I was gone, I used the travel packs with your first purchase. 
All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Midas. That's athleticgreens.com slash Midas. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash Midas to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. I love this product. I love I love endorsing products that I use every single day. Um, Brett, tell us about Merrick Garland. All right. So Merrick Garland came out. He gave a speech, a DOJ speech, much anticipated yesterday. And I think he wanted to just set the stage for what's actually going on. And what I've realized about Anytime, really, I was going to say anytime, you know, we hear from the DOJ or or Biden or whoever, no matter what it is, everything is now kind of a political Rorschach test is what I've noticed. So Merrick Garland comes out and people hear what they want to hear. He could say one sentence and 10 people hear it in 10 different ways. So Wait, I just think- for those who don't know, what's a Rorschach test? I mean, I know, but just for those who don't a, know. A Rorschach, what'd you call it? A, what's a Rorschach test? A, a what? Rorschach? Rorschach test. <laughs> You know what a is. I go. How would you spell? No, it? I know what it is. I'm just spell spe- just for Warshak. But spell it. W A R C H K. How would you spell it? W A R C H K. W A R. Warshak. You start now with a Warshak. Like a like a W like a Again, war with I a know shack. it. I know this thing. Okay, so Jordy Jordy clearly knows it very well. So let me explain it to those who know. Um, I think most people, <laughs> but I think most people know what a Rorschach test is. R O R R O R S C H A C H test, not a Rorschach, Jordy. Yeah, it's, it's it's the ink blots you see where you know in psychological evaluations and whatnot, um, they'll hold up an ink blot to somebody and say, "What do you see?" And what they see is often based on you know theoretically kind of what their psychological makeup is, what's kind of on their mind, etc. So what I'm saying here is that when Garland speaks, people interpret it based on their opinions of Garland. So the people who think Garland's doing a great job go, Garland came out, he's crushing him, he's going after Trump, this is it. The people who dislike Garland goes, see, he's weak, look, he's not going after anybody. You could hear the say, he could say the same thing and everybody hears it in a different way. It's something I noticed. But I thought he spoke in incredibly plain language. Look, what, do, he, what do people expect him to say? He's going to go, listen, you motherfuckers. Listen, I'm wheeling listen, out Trump you. and I'm <laughs> perp walking him and this is the end of the line, Trump. Listen, you motherfuckers, Garland here, here. Donald Trump, you piece of fucking shit. I am going to fuck you up. I mean, what do people expect the guy to say? I, I think there He's are the a lot of people. General. He used to be a he used to be the judge of the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals. This guy is going to be on the Supreme Court. The guy's going to talk like an adult. And let's and let's just go through like Garland's history. We've had Glenn Kirshner on the show before. He's talked about Garland and he knows Garland very closely. And I know he's also had us concerns about Garland. Hey, I've had my concerns about Garland. I both have these contradictory feelings where and I brought this up to Officer Dunn, where I both want the investigation to be going quicker. But I understand that that's not how these things often work. And Garland is a guy who is known for prosecuting domestic terrorism. Garland is the guy who went after the Oklahoma City bomber got a conviction, did not have a single leak in that case. He is known for running a tight ship. He is known for being a man of integrity and a guy who follows the law no matter where it leads. And that's what he was trying to emphasize yesterday. So I think if you really listen to his speech clearly, what he was saying was, I think he was trying to actually talk to a lot of his detractors here in a way and say, hey, listen, the way these things work, we start with the lower level cases. That's why you're seeing a lot of these light sentences. That's why you're seeing them start to gradually increase because we have to begin there 
in our investigation. And then he says that we will let this investigation run as long as it takes. He talked about how it was more difficult to get things done as quickly because of COVID and then not having access to as many grand juries and, and just courthouses being closed down and things like that. Um, but he promised to speak through the work of DOJ. And he said that, you know, he promised that he was laying a foundation and would do whatever it takes for justice to be done consistent with the facts and the law. He also said one of the most important statements that I think was from the whole speech. He said, the actions we have taken thus far will not be our last. The Justice Department remains committed to holding all January 6th part perpetrators at any level accountable under the law, whether they were present that day or were otherwise criminally responsible for the assault on our democracy. So I think he's just laying it out the same way that anybody who knows the law would tell you. He's saying, we're starting with the small fish. We're getting to the big fish. We're going to follow the law wherever it leads. And we're going to go at the timeline that justice requires for us to bring the case, not the timeline that Twitter or Facebook or whatever demands from the DOJ. We don't care about that. And, you know, I've heard a lot of kind of complaints about that and say, oh, well, we don't have time. The clock is running out. Bullshit. The clock is not running out. The DOJ's investigation could go as long as the DOJ's investigation go. People say, oh, but what did you saw a bar did with the Mueller report? I don't even know how that is even related at all. Merrick Garland is the AG. Joe Biden is the president. I think we're going to win in 2022. But no matter if Democrats win in 2022 or don't win in 2022, guess what? Merrick Garland, still the AG. His investigation still goes on. You know, the January 6th committee has already stated their intention to wrap up their investigation prior to next January. So they know they are well aware that if Republicans get into power, that they would stop the investigation. I have no doubt that they would. They probably even make their own counter investigation to investigate and Tifa, they do stupid shit. That's what they do. But we have a DOJ who's going to follow the case <laughs> steadily. And I think that's what we need to look out for. I mean, that's what's going to happen undeterred, regardless of who controls the House or the Senate. That does not have a single impact on it. And I do think everybody involved at every single level of this should be scared and they should know that Garland is a no bullshit guy. He is very apolitical when it comes to these investigations and he's going to follow and turn over every single stone that he finds along the way in this investigation. Midas Touch is gearing up for 2022. 2022 is here now. This is an election year. We are fighting like Midas Mighty Fight, which means Brett ain't getting a lot of sleep. I'm already getting shit from Brett. Brett's probably working 20 hour days now. He came back from a vacation with some feistiness behind the scenes about how, but it's because we're all working really, really hard and we appreciate all of your support, but it's 2022 now. So wake up everybody listening to this. We need you to get in the fight. Start registering voters. Start reaching out right now to 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 family members, friends, people you know. Have them register people to vote. Even if it's one person you know, that's making a difference. By the way, that was one of the day. most impactful things that I think happened in the 2020 election. It was people having conversations with their family members on a direct one-to-one -one basis with friends is what really makes the difference because your voice becomes exponential as you spread the word, as you share 
what is going on. I mean, don't be afraid to have conversations. Of course, respectfully, don't be crazy about it, but have conversations about what's what happened on January 6th with people who may not be aware. Have conversations about the vaccine if you think someone in your family is vaccine hesitant. Try to level with them. Don't try to talk down to them, but try to level with them because, you know, Joe Biden could say a million things. Any politician could say a million things, but what really people listen to who are around you are you, the people who they care about the most. While we're talking about Garland too and, and the investigation, Investigation. I just want to bring up, I don't know if you guys have been following Mueller, she wrote on Twitter, Ooh. but Mueller, she wrote, has been doing an incredible breakdown of all the Garland stuff, and they've been keeping it going in their podcast, Daily Beans. And so I just got to say, if you like news with swearing, and I, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm sure you do, if you listen to our podcast, you got to check out the Daily Beans podcast. It's the most important news of the day, the most compelling interviews, and all the appropriate profanity. Uh, tune in weekday mornings to the Daily Beans. It's left-leaning news from a woman's perspective, and they make the news bearable by making it swearable. Join the Daily Beans team of Allison Gill, Dana Goldberg, Amy Carrero every weekday and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and put some beans on it. That's the Daily Beans podcast. Check it out. And what I love is they've been really breaking down all the various statutes that they know Merrick Garland is pursuing. They've been reading the tea leaves. They've been talking about this Merrick Garland DOJ case about the insurrection in the most clear terms that I've heard out there. And so I, I recommend you listen to it. And I think all of us need to try to make a little bit of a New Year's resolution to try to put some faith back in our institutions if we can. I know it's been hard because they've been just so destroyed by Trump over these past few years, but a strong democracy needs strong institutions. And I personally don't think it's super helpful to be constantly attacking the Department of Justice when it's run by an honorable person who is doing his job and is trying to, you know, get to the bottom of this. I don't think it's helpful to be attacking the January 6th committee who are doing their jobs at an incredible rate and I think are just kicking ass and are leaving no stone unturned. I think we have to rise up and we have to support these institutions. And that doesn't mean we don't criticize. That doesn't mean we don't put pressure on. But I don't think we need to be Trumpian about it and just go you know, burn all this to the ground, F you, you know, have vitriol towards You look like a crazy person when you do that. You look like you're an insane person when you do that. Because I'll tell you, do you know who attacks the DOJ and who attacks government institutions? Criminals, people who do the wrong thing, people who want to break the institutions so that they could go out and engage in whatever the criminality that they want to engage in that would otherwise be reined in by these governmental institutions. So definitely everybody, let's get in the game. It's 2022. Make sure you subscribe to the Midas Touch podcast. It will be helpful if you tell others to subscribe to the Midas Touch podcast. And please leave a five-star review wherever you're able to review. By the way, you can do this in Spotify now. You used to not be able to leave five-star reviews in Spotify. You can now leave a five-star review in Spotify. So leave us a five-star review. Five-star review, say something in the review about the podcast. That helps with the rankings of the show when Midas has been back in the top 50 of all podcasts nationwide um, last week. So let's keep it there. Let's keep the momentum. And make sure you subscribe to the other Midas Touch podcasts. Midas Touch, Legal AF, Zoomed In, Kremlin file, mea culpa, and of course, your favorite politics, girl. Make sure you subscribe <laughs> to all of those podcasts. So everybody, January 6th, uh, solemn, important roundup show that we just had. 
Um, let's get in the game in 2022. We're back in the game. Thank you, everybody, for all of your support, and we'll see you next time on the Midas Touch Podcast. Shout out to the Midas Midas!